0: Hello, and welcome to the Plugged In Podcast, where we talk with founders and CEOs in order to bring you the real stories of failures and triumphs, highs and lows they've experienced on their journey towards success. We will go in-depth with our guests to give you insights into how they have taken an idea from concept to realization, making those first key hires to building the right team, scaling revenues, how they overcame obstacles, and much more as we learn how they achieve success. This is the podcast that you want to subscribe to if you want to learn how to succeed.
1: Hello, everyone, and uh, thank you for joining us for our first podcast of Plugged In. The podcast is all about listening to founders and CEOs and how they got to the point of success. And with that, our first interview and our our first person that we're actually interviewing is Stephen Glanz, uh, formerly of CourseWise. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Thank you for... uh, being our first guinea pig, I would say. My pleasure. <laughs> uh, so just a little background. Stephen and I have known each other for, oh, i got to be close to uh, 30 years from high school. He's a few years older than me, but we went to Hank together, a shout-out, my only shout-out probably in my life to Hank. Mm-hmm. And we met each other there, and then Steven went on to Israel for a year to study, then he went to college, then he went to law school, um, and after law school, I think everything went crazy and haywire, and right. from what I remember, you left law, and you went straight into business.
0: Right, that is what I did, yeah.
1: So why do we start there, starting the, you know all the way back at that point. So what made you leave law and get into business?
0: Yeah, so I went to law school, I was very young, right after college, uh, kind of wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and so kind of went to law school, but uh, I'm not sure I ever really wanted to be a lawyer, and uh, I did some summers in law, didn't really love it. And uh, I was lucky enough to get an offer uh, to work in management consulting uh, out of law school at a firm called Booz Allen and Hamilton. And so I I tried that. uh, And that was interesting. Uh, I did that for for a little while and then kind of got the Internet bug and moved into into tech uh, pretty early in my career.
1: That's right. So I remember I, I had a startup, which didn't really work out called Mabool, and you went to shopping.com. I went to
0: shopping.com, right? right. So
1: this is back in, this is going back to 99, 2000, 2001. Yes. This was really the heyday of the internet. Most people who probably are listening don't really realize. Right, that, yes. That I, Amazon was really
0: a really horrible website that only had books. And, right. and it was really basic, um, when, you know, when, when I went to, to shopping.com, so it was right in the beginning of 2000, and I had a very good job. So I quit my job, went to shopping.com. Shopping.com had like almost no revenue but had filed to go public. And you know, I thought that I was going to make millions of dollars like literally in a few months. And of course like literally a few days after I joined the market crashed and uh stuff went to hell. I mean, the company ended up succeeding but you know, it took many years. Uh, so you know that was that was lucky, but uh, it, it was quite a quite a ride. And for a while, I was really questioning why I quit my really good uh, corporate job to go work at. So, so so
1: the one thing from, from from your experience at shopping is what did you take out of it? Like you were there, I think for what six years, five years. What did you take out of it? You know, and again, you were there for a long time, and it did succeed. I think it was sold to eBay. It was
0: sold to eBay. Yeah. So
1: so out of those five six years, what did you take out of it to get to your next your next job?
0: So I, I think you know what I learned at shopping.com, what I took out of it um, was you know I really kind of learned what I was good at, um, which was kind of business development and kind of you know high level deal structuring. So I, I was pretty successful there. I ended up becoming VP Bizdev there. And so I really learned how to make deals, how to work with big companies, um, and that's something that I kind of took with me, you know, throughout my career, uh, being able to get, you know, to, to really work, to take a small company and work with large companies and get deals done, uh, which is something that I think I've been successful with luckily, you know, over the course of my career. And that really helped me. I think the other thing that I saw at shopping that there was incredibly great culture, uh, at shopping.com, like the people there really liked each other. And, and, and it was something, like, we still have, like, camaraderie, you know, which, you know, now 15 years later or something. And so I, I learned kind of the importance of culture. And uh, it's hard to create it. I'm not sure how So
1: what, do what, did they do anything specific to create it? Was it the way, did they hire just people that just gel together? Yeah,
0: I, I think that one thing that they did... That you know, part of it is maybe luck, but I think you know the 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 leadership team brought everyone in in terms of like information sharing. Um, like everyone knew what was going on. You knew the numbers. You kind of knew the strategy. Um, the CEO was very open. Um, you could talk to him anytime, uh, and I, I felt that was really important. I feel like everyone felt they had ownership in the company. I've been at other companies since then where the management was very secretive. I I think that's terrible uh, for building uh, culture. I think, uh, again, just from my experience, just that chopping, I really felt the fact that people, everything was an open book internally. Um, I think was really great. Um, and people really felt that like even when when I joined, I was very young, and like I felt like you know if I had something to say, people would listen to me, and I had the information to say something, and I thought that was really helpful in building a good culture.
1: So, just for people who don't know what shopping is, it was sold to eBay. And one, I think it
0: started off as a price comparison shop? Yeah, it was a price comparison, yeah, Uh, Shopping.com. It started off called Deal Time. (laughs) There were a lot of different – it merged with companies. It was a long story. It's actually like quite miraculous that the company ended up – And the CEO
1: was Iggy, right?
0: No, the CEO was a guy named Dancy Porn. Dancy, that's right. Iggy was the COO. Okay.
1: Yeah. I remember we did a little bit of – we tried to do a little bit of work with them when I had my – First startup a right. long time ago. Um, okay, so let's move on from there. And, you know, that's actually <laughs> brings back a lot of memories, um, some good, some bad. Um, so from there, then you moved on to, what, Vringo?
0: Yes, yeah, so, uh, a, st- a startup called Vringo, which was in the mobile space. Uh, this again, pre-iPhone. Which, Pre-iPhone, yeah, yes. You have to, you have to make that statement. Yes, pre-iPhone. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is
1: really the Palm Pilot era and the BlackBerry.
0: Right, and, and a lot of Nokia, Nokia phones, phones, right? And the rest, you know, in the, in the U.S., a lot of BlackBerry, but in the rest of the world, Nokia was the dominant company. Um, we were trying to do something. It had to do with video on the phone. I mean, the details aren't maybe that important. <laughs> but, they're, uh, they're not. It was uh, it was a struggle from the product side. We were fighting the phone, uh, and uh, so the company was, I guess, say, moderately successful. Um, it's, but it, it was a, definitely a struggle. And um, and then and you know, truth is, then when the iPhone came, like it totally changed everything, and, uh, and like what we were doing was almost irrelevant. So uh, it, it was uh, so, interesting. So, so let me ask.
1: So. You know, when you, before you started your your company, um, which was crosswise, how did you choose the company that you went to next? Right? Did you, did you have a thought, okay, I wanted this, this type of company to join? Were you looking at, you know, the overall market size? Were you just looking, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm moving companies. I need a job. I'll take whatever's there. Or were you a little bit more selective?
0: So when I, when I left Ringo, I mean, I, I had, uh, you know, different opportunities. Um, I chose to go, to go to a company called Conduit. I, I would say the, the most important thing in my choice was figuring, trying to figure out, you know, which company had the best chance to be successful. Um, you know, I, I think in, in Israel especially, you know, like the salaries at all these jobs are pretty much the same and they're not really anything to write home about. Um, and so, you know, the real way to make, make money here is, you know, the value of your of your equity. So that's what I was really trying to figure out, uh, you know, in which company would the equity be worth the most. I would say that was the most important thing to me.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. So we're going to jump a little bit forward now. So, Crosswise, you started what in
0: 2016?
1: 2013. Uh, 2013. Oh, 2013. That's right. You went to Oracle bought okay. you in 2006. So, so how did you come up with it? Like, what made you, um, you know, leave your company. I think you were at my things at that point. Right. And, again, the iPhone was, you know, in full force. Right. Um, you know, you had uh, Android as well. So what had you come up with the idea? Had you say, okay, I'm going to leave my comfortable job, right. somewhat comfortable job in Israel. Right. I'm going to take the plunge. I have a family to worry about. How am I going to do it? You know, what confidence did you have in your decision? Did you speak to anybody in your decision? Like and I, I, your wife had to be supportive as well. I mean, that was right. I'm sure it's like a team effort there. But what made you come up with the idea? Let's start with that.
0: Yeah. So I, I was working at, at a company called MyThings, which was in the retargeting business, and saw very clearly that there was a, an issue in being able to identify users across their devices. So that's a crosswise. It was basically a company that did what's called cross-device identification. We were able to figure out that different devices belong to the same person, which is very, very important in the ad tech ecosystem. And so, you know, in 2013 when I was at my things, in the, again in the retargeting business, it was very obvious to me that this was going to become a major issue, right, as mobile became more and more important and people were starting to interact um, on more than one device. Uh, and so Basically, the whole data-driven ad tech ecosystem was kind of breaking down. Uh, the measurement was was also breaking down, right, because things were happening on different devices and you didn't realize it was the same person. Uh, and, you know, th- there were some companies in that were working on this problem, but they were media companies. So, so a company called Tapad, a company called Drawbridge, Um so they had technology for cross-device, but they combined it with their own media platform. So it wasn't something they were licensing to the market, right? So everyone else, the rest of the world needed a solution for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where the idea came to me, right? It's not like it didn't just come to me out of the blue. It came to me, right? I mean, there's, there's some people who have you know tons of ideas for companies. I'm not really like that. But I was in this industry, and it was like obvious to me that this was an issue, Um, and so I knew that there was an opportunity there and, you know, really what drove me to start the company was, uh, I have a co-founder, I have two co-founders, but, uh, one of my co-founders, Jonathan Seidner, um, who kind of had worked with me at my things he had left by that point. You know, he really, really wanted to start a company and we started talking about this idea and he's the one who really kind of pushed me to do it because it was a big step to take and, you know, it's not, uh, you know, I guess some people are just, you know, entrepreneurs by nature and they start, you know, 10 companies in their life. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm really like that uh, or certainly wasn't like that at that point in my life, uh, but he really pushed me uh, and, and, and my things was having some struggles as well, which, you know, like, you know helped, you know, push me forward. So that was, uh, I guess, ended up being fortunate for me. Uh, but, but he really pushed me to, to start the company and kind of, we had this joint vision and it was very clear to me that there was, a, there was a, like an obvious opportunity there that wasn't being filled.
1: Got it. So that's, that's actually good to know. I, I mean, I did not know that part. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so when you launched it, right. So what was the, like first, you know, uh, you, you have the concept, you're going out pitching, Right. You know, what was the overall? And I, again, I pitch VCs and I hate pitching VCs. Right. They, right. VCs suck. And I'll go on record. They are very negative. They're, if you're right. looking for positive reinforcement, do not go to VC. Right. You right. know, it just doesn't work. Right. Even though you're part of VC now. Right. <laughs> yeah, well. It's very hard. As an entrepreneur, you'll get a lot more no's than yeses, And you have to just ply through, you know, plow right. through the, the no's. So when you started this, right, and again no one really understood, you know, cross-device, right? right? I mean, the iPad was there; it was it wasn't as again. This is going back, well, I think, six years ago, right? Right. So when you started pitching, because again, you you have a, you had a co-founder building product, great, right? but at some point, time you needed you have to raise funds, right? So you raised. So how yeah. was that process?
0: Yes, yeah, so that was right. So this company needed money right off the bat. So we weren't able to build the product without a, a decent amount of money. That was a challenge because the, the data costs and getting the data to build the product were very, very substantial. So we needed to raise, you know, we ended up raising $2 million, you know, and we, we needed like all of it. Um, so we were raising just on a PowerPoint, mm-hmm. which was, a, a, you know, it was, it was a challenge. Uh, although in some ways, you know raising just on a dream is easier than like once you're sure. you, know, you know once you've kind of got some results uh so we, so for so jonathan and i we brought in a third co-founder a guy named ron Ryder, um another you know shmona matayim uh guy uh that's 8200, 8200. Uh, the big unit in israel right uh so uh and i think that so we really kind of had a really strong team and uh but it was a big challenge. I mean, we went, you know, we spoke to tons of VCs, right? And and ultimately, you know, we, we, we got, the, we raised the money, but it was a struggle. We got tons of no's, um, you know, some VC. At that point, it's interesting looking back. Um, so one of the, so our our idea was to be a data company and not a media company. Mm but that was uh, that and that was what's interesting is that a lot of the VCs didn't like that they said you have to be a media company right was VC. with, uh, VC's no
1: better, right? That's the first thing. Right, which, VC's like, no better. Right, <laughs> which is
0: like, of course, now, now in retrospect, it's ridiculous. Right now, they won't touch anything in the media, right? So <laughs> it, it, even like a, even like a, like six months later already, right? It, what, actually, what happened is that the companies that we were competing with that were media companies got rid of their media businesses, right? And started 17. to compete with us uh, as data companies. So yeah, that was really frustrating. <laughs> Um, you know, again, listen, I mean, VCs, uh, now that I work at, do some work at a VC, I, I realize how hard their job is, right? To, to be a, understand, right? So many different companies, right? These guys meet with, you know, hundreds of companies and to like be able to understand what even, what, what those companies do. And there are different domains and every domain, right? Even what we do is so specialized, right? For yeah. us device, for tech so it's really hard. Um, and so I, I guess it's just really I think they're investing in the people and sometimes you really connect with the people and sometimes you don't. Um, you know, it's funny that they you know, all the VCs will ask, you know, try to figure out how does this become a billion dollar company as if they have a lot of billion dollar companies. <laughs> in their portfolio from Israel. I think that's, you know, but I understand, I understand the business a lot better now, kind of, I understand they need to go for the big exit, you know, go for companies that can be really big because because otherwise they just, they just can't make money because there's going to be, you know, a lot of the companies are obviously not going to, not going to make it. Um, So yeah, it was a challenge. It was frustrating. Um, I think, you know, we were lucky that um, we kind of, a guy named Ayal Neve who was a partner then at Giza now he's a partner at Pitango like really liked us and became our lead investor and then you know once we had that we were able to you know bring on uh, some other people but we were lucky I and mean, the company could just as easily right at the end of the day. You know, we got plenty of nos, right? And we could have, we could have, we could have never all, all, all existed. All takes is one yes, right? All takes is one yes, right? And, and you know, and if you don't get that yes, that's it. The company, you know, and once, once wouldn't get, have existed. And he was right? the lead investor. He so. was the lead investor. And yeah. then
1: once you get the lead investor, other investors, yeah, other investors
0: kind of, right? It's you know, they, they, you know, people. There are people who follow, um, and so that, you yeah, know, So then we were able to. So, to so
1: and paid. this is also this is a good question for you know a lot of the people who are looking to raise you know financing. Did you know him or were you introduced to him? We were introduced to him.
0: There you go. We okay. did not know. Yeah,
1: so yeah. cold calling doesn't work. So anybody who's looking to raise money, cold, right. cold calling the VC really doesn't work well. Yeah, I think uh, that, you know, know, that's
0: true, right. It, you really need an intro by somebody. I so. think an intro really helps, yeah. And, and a, a lot of it depends on, again, depends on who the team is, right? So, like, our team, you know, had the right credentials, right? I mean, my two partners, you know, were both of two hundred and... Uh, my partner Ron, especially like a lot of people knew him. Um, so you know people were certainly happy to meet with us but we, we did get an intro to him
1: Got it. so well, you raised your funding so you know you, you hired your first employee who, who was
0: it like was it tech side was it tech side Tech side so we were almost almost all of our employees were technical. We had really like one and a half non-technical employees okay. Uh, by the time we sold the company, and how many people were in the company? I mean, we were small. We were twenty people. 20, okay, so you're small. So twenty yes. people over what, three years, over like two and a half years, two and a, half a years. little over two years, yeah. And uh, for so the, it was pretty quick. That was, it, I would say, our story is not typical at all. Okay. I would say we raised. i just we we raised. We got the money in the bank in like December 2013, and we signed a term sheet to si- to sell the company in January of 2016. So only two years later. You know, it can close the deal in April. So the company was in existence for a relatively short period of time.
1: Uh, so that's, that's, uh, congratulations on that part. So, so when you started the company, right, you had the vision of cross device. Did, did the, did it, did it you know, like you we're saying, Tap and Drawbridge, they changed, right? They were media, they went to right. data. Did you, were you, you know, did you have any, did you hit any walls? Did your VC come to you and say, you know, maybe you should shift, it's taking a little slower? Granted, right. a two year exit that's really quick. Right, right. But you know, it, it, it really in the in the tech world, two years is like five years sometimes. Right. Right? You know, de- you know, the, the th- technology changes so quickly, so rapidly, everything's advancing, the iPhone's always switching, more devices coming out. So did you hit did you ever hit a wall? If you hit the wall, how do you get around
0: yeah. it? Yeah, so I would say again, I don't think this is typical. Our core vision is pretty much what we executed on. Uh, again, it, it happened in a relatively short period of time. I think if if we would have if we would have if we wouldn't have sold the company, we would have stayed, you know, and would have kept going. We would have, we would have had to to change things a little. We would have had to pivot because things have changed uh, since then. But uh, you know, so we kind of you know really executed on the core vision. We did hit a massive road bump. Um, Kind of around nine months in, when like one of our major or our major data source kind of you know ca- canceled us more or less, uh, and so we were stuck and we almost didn't have a product. Uh, and it was right when we were trying to get our first customers, and so I mean we were able to kind of do some creative deal making uh, to to get the company back on track. Uh, so that was that was really scary when that happened. Um, so that that was a major roadblock and I think you know we were we were lucky we we formed kind of early on a, a strategic partnership with a company called Liveramp um which is bought, right? bought by Axiom yeah and a very important player in the overall tech space uh, and so that that really helped us as well so there were things there were certainly things that we needed to do that we didn't realize we needed to do. That we didn't realize it would be so difficult uh, from the beginning, especially on the on the biz dev side. And so, but you know we, we were we were able to get some other companies in the ecosystem to buy into our vision as well and, and to partner with us, even though you know we were very early. Um, and that was that was a big big win for the company.
1: Very cool. So interesting. So okay. So so you went through that. You you pivot, you, you didn't really pivot, but you had the challenge of you know. Your data partner, your main data partner, just dropped for whatever right. reason. Did they ever tell you why?
0: Did a competitor they, like Train? No, it, it's a little bit of a complicated story, uh, but yeah, they didn't. They didn't. It was. It was a, they didn't like what we were doing. So uh, you know, and so they they. They started uh, again. They they took away our access, and it was uh, it was a big challenge. It was a little surprise for us as well. So I mean, uh, le- le- legally,
1: there's no issues, but you don't know who the person is. Yeah, right,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right, so, right, 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 yeah. No, what we were doing from a privacy perspective had no had, had no issues at all. But uh, at, at that point, because of did your, pre did you, GDPR, how, how do investors take that news? Like, you know, <laughs>
1: were they saying, hey, Stephen, we we have faith. You know, we know you'll get.
0: Yeah, involved. the investors. Our investors were great. Um, they really um, supported us all the time. Um, I, I'm not sure they really understood the depth of the crisis. <laughs> uh, to be Now's the time to tell them. Right. And we solved it relatively quickly. So I mean, it, it didn't you know within a month the problem was it was solved. Not six weeks. So you know we were able to do other deals and and the, you know. And, 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 you know Excuse me. So, talk. Just
1: you know. Okay. So your CEO, you you, you hit that challenge. Like, what were you like? And everybody's looking at you, right? Was the company lives and dies with the CEO, really? Right. Right. You know, the founder, the CEO. Right. You know, you know, what was going through your head? Like, just I gotta, I gotta plow through. I gotta just. Get it done. I don't care. It's going to come. Were you hoping for a miracle? Like, you know, what was the tangible? Like you look, you, I'm assuming you already know I, who the other data partners were.
0: Yeah. So I, I mean, I started just reaching out. I mean, at first, you know, I panicked a little. Maybe I was, you know, it was, it was upsetting. Uh, but I started reaching out to the, you know, to my network and people I know and, you know, and, and we put, you know, aggressive, you know, we needed to move quickly. And so. You know, we put aggressive, there's times to negotiate and there's times to just get the deal done, right? And so we, I would say we put aggressive terms on the table to, you know, fill our needs quickly because, we, you know, we needed to solve the problem quickly because we had actually, we had just signed, like, our first customer at the same time. Like, it happened, like, literally on the same day. Uh, and your customers
1: were, you know, anti-companies?
0: Our customers were primarily anti-companies, okay. yes.
1: And so just so people understand, so you bought data and you were able to allocate it to across, you know, who owns we, the device?
0: Yeah, we, 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 we took in just massive amounts of raw data, like what's called activity data, mm-hmm. um, and we were able to figure out based on patterns of behavior that, you know, that two devices belong to the same person. Okay. okay? And then we, basically our product was like we, were, we would send like literally almost like a file to our customers to tell them that... Again, we have no idea who people are. We don't know anything about them, right? We just know that there's a cookie ID and a device ID, which are the you know, anonymous identifiers mm-hmm. in the in the ad tech business. Uh, and we were able to connect them, and then our customers would use that for all different, you know, there different, different types of use cases. Uh, something called audience extension, right? So. So right, you there's companies that have data on users, uh, let's say on a cookie, but now but they want to be able to target that person on mobile, but they don't know what their device ID is. So we were able to do, tell them that. Uh, it's useful in retargeting, and it's useful for measurement companies who are looking to right. If you're trying to attribute uh, conversions. Right, so someone might have seen an ad on one device and converted on the other. So if you don't understand that, then you think the ad didn't work, but really it did work. Yeah. Right. So those were the types of companies that were our customers: Got the DSPs and the, and the kind of third-party data companies. Got
1: it. And so you know, once we speaking about ad tech, I deal a lot with it. What, you know, do you are you bullish on it? Are you bearish on it? Like, do you think it's you know, again, it's definitely changed. It's definitely morphed from the time that you you right. you were in the space. Right. Um. You know, this consolidation, but you know, other people in Israel are really looks like down on it. Like, right, you know, right,
0: yeah, yeah, and I and it's I understand why people are down on it. Listen, first of all, the investment community is really down on it, um, so it's hard to raise money. There, you know, you've got a situation where you have you know two companies that are so dominant, I mean, Google and Facebook. Right? I would say
1: Amazon's close and Amazon. Now. Okay, right.
0: These, so, day, these days, <laughs> Amazon's really- and, okay. Google and they have you know it's just incredible advantages, right? I mean, so I think they say like 85 cents of every new ad dollar goes to at the Google or Facebook or something, right? And they just have this incredible advantage in that they have all the data, right? They have everything. Um, and so like everyone else is left to kind of pick at the scraps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a big challenge. And then there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fraud. It's very hard to figure out like, what really works, what doesn't work. Um, so I think the investors also struggle with that. People struggle with that, right? So, yeah, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, even like, you know, uh, we in the third party data business, if, if you look, your, you, can, you can look yourself up, not by name, but by like your cookie. If you look yourself up in, in some of the data providers, uh, like you'll see that you're both a man and a woman. You both, you know, you're 25 and 65. So, there's a lot of questions around quality. And I think, again, so that, you know, it becomes hard for that. That's a big challenge for the industry is quality and, and transparency. And again, there's, you know, they say like the seven or eight billion dollars worth of fraud. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, these are, these are big challenges in that business. So, so, it definitely seems that there's a lot of opportunity, though. I, I think there's opportunity if you can be valuable to Google and Facebook. Right. Yeah. If you can't, it's not so much. Then it's hard, right? So you're, you're again, you're carving out, and like, and the rest of the, you know, what they call the open internet? Like, hasn't really figured out how to band together uh, to fight those guys. So, you know, again, now they'll cook. Maybe there'll be more regulation, and that will help. You know, uh, you know, help open up more opportunity, kind of outside of those walled gardens. But it's a pretty big challenge, I think.
1: I hear that. So um, another point that you're... So you're going through all this. Did you have a mentor? Like, did you have someone that you could go to and talk to? Was it Dan from your shopping.com days? You know, did you have someone, a friend, a peer? Oh, forget about it. I know your wife was integral. Right, right. I Give a shout-out to your wife. Right, you right, your wife. Right, yeah right, Absolutely.
0: You know, but did you have someone that you were able to go to? You didn't really have a mentor. I, I, I really... I really got along really, really well with, with my investors, um, and I feel like we were really able to talk openly, um, you know, especially, again, my lead investor, Ayal Neve, and, and his partner, a guy named God Holdai. Um, so I, you know, I, I really go to them. Uh, and, and they, you know, and, and I felt very comfortable being open with them and talking with them. Sometimes you know? there's a different agenda. Yeah, sometimes there's a different agenda, right? I understand that. Uh, and and we did face that towards when we were starting to sell. There were within the within their fund, there were some people who didn't want us to sell. They wanted us to keep going. Uh, but yeah, and so I, I understand that's not always going to work. But in our case, it did. I mean. Uh, uh, again yeah, I think a lot of it depends also like we're similar age I feel like like if I was like a young younger CEO like you know like some of these guys are in their 20s maybe that would have been a little bit weirder to have that relationship but we did become friends mm-hmm. um and so we did become friends and so uh, I, I felt very comfortable talking to them but and, and you know and, and I did have I, I, I brought in and this was helpful so I brought in uh to the company guys who I didn't really know well but Got to know much better. I brought in a guy named uh, Josh Wexler to be an independent director. Okay. Uh, he was like a senior person at Rubicon. And so, you know, I could always talk to him. And a guy named Dave Helmreich also joined our advisory board uh, and also was a guy who I could kind of lean on. Uh, and talk to yeah, but I him. Yeah. But I don't have like a, a lifelong mentor. Kind of, uh, no, I sort of I, I, hear that. I mean, it's a good thing to have. I, I just don't, I don't
1: know. Got it. That. So, so you're growing the company, you got to the, the hard part, right? You, you know, the challenge. Right. And so, at what point in time were, were people starting to sniff around you? Like, did you, you know, someone approach you say, well, you know, and this is what every entrepreneur wants to hear, right. Is that I'm interested in buying, right? Like, when did that start coming about? What was your first reaction? Like, oh, thank God. You right. know,
0: what was, you know, so it it, was, it became pretty obvious in the, I guess, the summer of 2015, um, that there were companies that were going to be interested in acquiring in our space, um, and that we were in a good position to be acquired because, because we were we had the technology, so we had certainly. And We thought we had the best technology, but certainly the equivalent technology to anyone else in the space. And we didn't have all the things that those comp- that the buyers didn't want. The buyers didn't want the media businesses and kind of. I mean, we were lean and we were small, um, and so it became pretty obvious. You know, and again, we had a we had some incoming uh, interest. We had a company come out do due diligence. Um, so it became pretty obvious that there were interested buyers. And, you know, we started, bankers started sniffing around, uh, as well. Uh, and so we decided, but, you know, nothing was, you know, things move slow and, you know, and especially Oracle, we, we, you know, we, we were quite certain that they were interested. Uh, I mean, we had some, but, you know, they, they're slow moving and they, they don't really have any incentive to move more quickly, right? Were
1: we you working with them
0: to begin they with? They were our customer. Yeah, they so were a they, customer. Oh, they, so were, a they customer. were a customer. Okay. Oracle had bought a company called Data Logics, uh, for like 1.2 billion dollars. Data, data Logics was a customer, and, 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 uh, the, and they right. They, they became the Oracle Data Cloud, basically. So they were a customer. They had good relations with them, and like, it, it seemed pretty clear to us that they, you know, were interested in the space and you know wanted to own in the in the space. Um, so, so we were in an interesting situation where we, we either needed to raise like a, a large round or we were going to, you know, sell the company and it was, you know, it seemed like there was an opportunity to sell. Um, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to raise the money and then like sell soon after, right? That, yeah. would, that would be stupid. Right. And, uh, so you, did and- one, you did one raise. We did one raise and then we did some internal CLAs. Okay, uh, some, some new investors came in yeah. in one of them, but uh, yeah, we just did some CLAs. Uh, and but CLAs are people who don't understand our. It's a convertible loan agreement. Okay. So basically, you know, and, and so but we so we we were kind of so we we hired a banker. We ran kind of a dual process where we were talking to investors, uh, but also you know kind of wanted to create some competition and, like, a process, uh, you know, for sale. I think, you know, that was important to get the buyers to move. Uh, because, again, I didn't want to... Once we raised money, all right? Again, everyone think it's great to raise money, but, like, if you raise, you know, seven, eight million dollars, it puts you in a totally different price point and, yeah. you know, and expectation, and that's a problem. And so... And, and, and I felt... And I felt, I mean, we all, you know, all the founders felt that the, the move that made the most sense was to sell the company, that we made more sense as part of a bigger company. Um, and that, you know, you know, what I was worried about, and I think proved to be true, is that, you know, a lot of our customers were ed tech companies and some of them were going to start going out of business <laughs> or, merging oh, yeah. with, or merging with each other, right? And so, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like our core value was as a technology that fits somewhere else. And therefore, like, you know, growing, like for example, like, you know, Oracle wouldn't have cared if we had, you know, our revenue was so insignificant for them, right? They have, you know, $40 billion in revenue. you know, if we doubled our revenue, like it would have, uh, in a a year, tripled it, it wouldn't mean anything to them, right? And it's like, I I felt, and that, that was an important factor. Um, so yeah, so we, so we, we, we hired a banker and, you know, and, and they were very helpful. They, you know, created some competition and, you know, got, you know, other offers and, uh, so, so, so it,
1: it, you know, it must've been a little hard though. I mean,
0: to say, okay,
1: I, I'm creating it, I want to build it up was when you initially started, you want to build it out right. as big as it can. Always in the back of your mind, I take, you always want to, there's an exit strategy. Right. Um, You know, so the transition to that point that it had, right, you know, from starting it, creating it, building it, to saying, okay, the big picture will be better if we're a part of someone else. Or did that first come to you when someone reached out and said, we're interested in acquiring? Or did you have that in mind beforehand?
0: I mean, like before we
1: started the company? No, no, no. no, After the point, right? You know, Uh, 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 was there there a point in time when you said to yourself, before anybody reached out to you? You know, I think it's better if we try and find an, a, someone a bigger person to take us.
0: I, I, I did think that. I thought we ultimately probably made sense as part of a bigger company, or, or I mean, or we would if we were going to continue on, we would we were going to have to add, which we could have done. We were going to have to expand like beyond ad tech, and again, there are companies still in our business who are doing that, right? They're still around, and they're going beyond ab tech to uh, you know other use cases like fraud and, and stuff like that uh, or starting to offer other services uh, but I, I did feel that you know that 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 it made sense for us to become part of the group I felt that on my own and and there was interest right so yeah, a, so you know those two things came together listen, it's uh, it's,
1: I'm not, it's not bad in any way or shape or form. I'm just curious to know of that you know mindset right
0: you know, I, I listen I don't I think Again, everyone's different. You know, some people are obsessed with building a big company, um, and they make some bad decisions because of that. I think. Now, on the now, I, I'm not of, of you know, I'm not like that. Like, I try to look at it always as you know, what makes the most sense, right? At every stage, right? does it make sense to go on. Listen to your brain, not your heart. Right, and and listen, and and now, and now listen. If, if if everyone did that, then it'll, there wouldn't be, and some a lot of big companies wouldn't exist, right? So just some people, just you know, you know, if I was Mark Zuckerberg, I would have sold the company for a billion dollars, you know, ten years ago, right? Look, look
1: at YouTube. YouTube right. sold them, what two thousand right. and one, two thousand and they sold
0: for. a and People go, what are you buying
1: a company again? But now look at them,
0: right, right. So yeah, right. So I, you know, and, and, and but I'm saying, and some people, so but I, I do think that there are a lot of companies that make mistakes, and you know, again, you know who who raise too much money, and then they're stuck, right? I mean, I I see a lot of companies, they're just stuck, right? They can't, you know, I was talking to an investor uh, last week, and he says he has a lot of companies that get to, like, $250,000 MRR, that's monthly recurring Mm -hmm. revenue, uh, because you have a niche, you fit somewhere, you get some initial customers, but, like, to break through... You plateau somewhere. You plateau, right? And to break through to get to you know two million dollars or more, like it's a rare company that gets there. And it, when you run once, you, and if you raise you know 20000000 dollars, you need to get you there You need to get there, or, or you're, you're, screwed, you're screwed, right? right? You,
1: you, the worst thing you want to do is really
0: plateau, right? You and need, so you need, to, you need to grow, right? And so I I think you know you always need to be thinking like you know try to be intellectually honest. So on one hand, you have to be you're, your your entrepreneur, your founder. You have to be optimistic. You have to believe. But you also have to be able to step back and think, okay, like you know, what's 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 really happening here, which is not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do, and and and, and also, you know, you're you're playing, you know, because listen, you're, you know, you you have investors, you're out pitching, you have to pitch the vision, and you have to believe it, and you should believe it, because uh, people,
1: people will pick up on. It. I mean, right? So people it's, will it's pick
0: a, up it's on a your challenge. challenge, right? And you don't know. I know at the end of the day, you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Yeah, you know, so but I, I felt like the right decision was to sell, and uh, you, know, I, 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 you know, looking back, I'm quite confident that was the right, right decision for us. Excellent. And, you know.
1: We're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up with just a, a few more questions, and you know, so <clears throat> something I, I like to ask people, and it was just moving away from work in a sense, your, your story. What did you want to be when you were 15? Like, did you have in mind? Did you want to be a rabbi? You went to Hank. You know, did you want? We I, I, you, you know you didn't want to be a lawyer. That was like you're just right, right, that's right, like yeah, your backup, as right. your backup. But when you're 15, like, did you want to be a ball
0: player? Like, <laughs> I want you to know? be a ball player. I don't know. I, I, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I guess I wanted to. Maybe I would say I wanted to be a businessman or something. You know, like well, what does it mean to be a you know Yeah, I know. I, I don't know. I didn't think a lot about that. I, I kind of go with the flow. I didn't, like, have stuff, like, planned out.
1: Right. So, so then just a few a few more questions. So – and this is stuff I, I like to ask so okay, people are listening. Did you have any habits? What habits did you have throughout either, you know, your career or, in, you know, as a CEO that really helped you get through the day, the months, or, or really get – you know, keep you on top of your game in a sense? Were there – was there anything
0: uh, – Yeah. I think I'm very – detail oriented and like when someone like sends me something I don't believe it until I (laughs) dig into it like it's like if I see numbers like uh, reports I'm always like I always like get into the details and like really ask questions and I feel like that uh, is, is really important because you can just miss you know miss big things I mean, like, I wasn't a technical person, but like, I was, I was pretty into what the engineers were doing, and like, you know, in one of our early versions, like, there was a major problem, like, in the results, mm-hmm. and like, I was going to figure it out what it, what the, what the problem was. Like, those are booze Allen days, right? Now. <laughs> because I and, like I, 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 it was a technical, and, and like, and because I was very into the details, and like, and I, you know, I always questioned. When I when I get something on my desk, I always question it. Like, does this make sense? Like, I don't just someone gives me numbers, I don't just believe them. Okay. Uh, and I, I think that really that's really helped me. Like, to really be focused on the details.
1: Got it. Got it. Well,
0: thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. I hope you, my I, pleasure. I,
1: I hope it wasn't too painful. This is great. <laughs> it's good to reminisce a little bit. Absolutely. So, um, thank you very much uh, for you know taking the time to speak with me today. Hopefully um, the people who are listening, hopefully there'll be a lot of them um, as this is our first podcast. will enjoy. Um, And, uh, you know, hopefully we will be doing this hopefully once a week or as I line up the different CEOs and founders to, to interview. Thank you so much. Okay. Love this episode
0: of the Plugged In Podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.